Dragi sidovci, lepo pozdravljeni, en teden je spet okrog in tukaj je naš že tradicionalni petkov sidov pogovor o prodaji. Tukaj od vsak petek ob dveh si vzamemo dobre povurce, za malo razmišljanje, kaj se dogaja v prodaji v teh časih. Seveda s ciljem, da mogoče kdo od nas sprejme kakšno odločitev, kaj bi bilo še dober, da naslednji teden naredi na področju prodaje. Tale naš pogovor se seveda snema, tako da kot vedno si ga boste lahko ogledali tudi kasneje, če boste želeli. Prosim vas, kakršč okolj vprašanje, dajte ga postaviti na Facebooku, mi ga bomo dobili in seveda bomo oba gosta takoj izvali za vašimi vprašanji. Resnično vas prošam, dajte vi sprašvati, ker dogaj se bomo pogovarjali o tistih stvarih, ki so mogoče meni zanimive ali pa našim gostom. Tokrat imamo pa malo drugačen setup. This time we have the international Friday talk. So we have two guests. Please give a big applause, even if we will not hear you, to Matt Mayfield and Igor Panjan. Matt, Igor, welcome. Thanks, thanks. Igor Panjan comes from Sales Helper Agency and Matt Mayfield comes from Biz Expense. And today we are going to think about B2B sales mainly, and we will try to help all the guys that maybe lost their sales channels in the last few weeks. So the main topic is going to be how to move from face-to-face to remote sales. And uh, the first challenge for uh, Matt and Igor. Let's say that uh, I'm in a service business. Uh, it can be uh, team buildings, uh, consulting, uh, cleaning services. Um, and now I have to move to, I used to sell face-to-face -face more or less. And now I have to move. Uh, can I just jump in? Uh, I'll sort of jump in. The short answer is absolutely no, right? That's, Why not? That's no. So there's a couple problems. One is just the amount of time you get. So we can separate two things. So let's talk about lead generation and actual selling. So I'm going to put aside lead generation and let's, let's go into the selling process. So the selling process when you sell something complex like a service usually takes a lot of time, a lot of people are involved. There is often no fixed decision process. It's hard to evaluate multiple selections. And usually if you just get less time with the customer, the deal does. I mean, everybody knows who sells in that mode, a game of golf or a dinner out with a couple drinks, that's when the real sales happen and that's when you close the deal. Three formal 30 minute meetings in a conference room gets you a chance at the deal. Well, substitute Zoom, even if you had 10 hours on Zoom, the probability that you can get that customer comfortable enough to take that risk goes way down. So fundamentally, the, the offering needs to change, or at least the decision, what the customer needs to make a decision around has to change. So- Oh, sorry. Okay, oh. so the first thing, if you think about sales in this respect, when you're doing that classic field, field person-to-person -person sales. There's a trust bridge that the salesman is bringing, right? Which is, you know me, we've gone out and had a few drinks and a nice meal. We've talked about people we know, and there's this good feeling of mutual trust. 
and then I'm explaining to you about my company and there's trust with the company. And then I'm telling you what we're going to do for you. And that trust bridge is built that direction. In this case, there just isn't enough bandwidth. You just don't get enough, you know, that, that there's, you, you're down to just a video conference. You've got shorter time. There's no way you're going to build that trust bridge. So what so you less, need less is... Less time, less opportunities to build it. Right. So, so what happens is the product has to be the, test, the, the trust bridge. So the product has to be radically simplified. The message for the product and the entire buying process needs to be simplified. So in the past, when you were doing that field sales, you were talking about the big picture vision and what's going to happen after we're married, have kids and grow old together. Here, we're talking about just what's going to happen at the end of the weekend we're gonna spend at the seaside together, right? You're selling something much smaller. It has to be much more concrete. It has to be much clearer. And ideally, if it's smaller in size and clearer to understand, then the decision process shrinks. So what you want, it's really critical to get smaller steps as you're going in the door, right? So, so you want things like, like, you know, entry point offers and things like the classic things that you, you knew and people have always talked about. It's just now they're essential, not nice to have. Can you explain a little bit more how to make smaller? Okay. An example. So good example. So uh, D-Labs does engineering services for startups. Traditionally, we had a four and a half month sales cycle. And that sales cycle had some workshops that we would do together. We would do some estimates around a minimum viable product. Uh, and there would be, you know, a lot of like due diligence, like on a technical due diligence and maybe uh, uh, some sort of customer referral. And what we found was we said, look, we're gonna change this around. We're gonna have a fixed price for a minimum viable product because we know that there is actually an optimal price and we're gonna steer the customer towards that. And does that mean that the customers who think that that's not possible and doesn't fit for them, we lose? Yes, absolutely. And the second thing we're gonna do is we're gonna say there's a paid workshop, but it's 100% refundable. If you walk away from that workshop feeling like you didn't get your money's worth, we will not send the invoice. So now what I'm telling the customer is, look, it's going to cost you this amount of money for the workshop, but you're not really risking that. The only risk is actually an airplane ticket one day of your life. And what's going to go into for the price I just told you, that's actually what the workshop is going to be about. So you walk out of this and decide we're not it. You still learn something about the product. You're going to pay us for the workshop. That's it. And then if we do the minimum viable product, that's going to be this fixed price project. And then you're going to off, you're going to go. And this makes it much stronger, uh, much easier to sell. Literally, we went from four and a half months to never over 45 days. Because as we're describing what we do, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't, on that first phone call, you can say, this is what it is. I need to set you up for a workshop here. I'll send you the contracts. Uh, but I was thinking about two weeks out. Does that make sense? And you can literally close on one about 30% of the time. So we are going to shorten the process to speed up. So you're breaking it into steps and you're shortening the process. I'm just sending a workshop that's completely 100%, nearly 100% risk-free. Then I'm selling a minimum viable product. This is a fixed price project that I don't even know what I'm getting into, but it sounds attractive and I have lots of exit points. 
And that's relatively easy to make the decision about. It's not such a huge amount of money. And then the long-term engagement, again, starts at a relatively small level and then builds as they get more funding and more customer traction and, and, and. But essentially, by, by making it three completely separate, isolated decisions, the customer doesn't need to do as much due diligence and doesn't need to be as careful. He doesn't need to call all his buddies to check on this. It's a workshop, for God's sake. Risk is smaller. It's a, you know, a, a two-digit number for a minimum viable product. How much does he need to think about this? It's not, he just spent a whole day in a workshop. He's feeling pretty comfortable. Okay. And then once you go into development, I remember what the price list is. The contract needs to be readable so the lawyer doesn't need to get involved. And that entire process went to a single decision maker right on the spot. Okay, so simplify the product or the service and simplify the process. Yeah, and de-risk it to the client side. That's the other big thing, right? So, so all these fancy contracts that protect you, get rid of them. Contracts that cover all kinds of things you don't need, get rid of it. You know, if you can avoid... If you can let the business person, all these kinds of things you wanted to protect yourself from, we got bigger problems now, don't we? So it's yeah. time to, to think about how do I make the contract so the customer can sign it without having to check more people? Because checking more people, again, with Zoom, this is really, really hard, right? So it's, it's worth a lot to, to make it so it's a single decision maker. And the customer responds well to that. Great, nice. Igor, your experience or your thought, what to do before we jump in? Regarding lead generation, from our perspective right now, but we are mostly focused on LinkedIn, uh, it's much easier to get meetings. You know, especially we, we work with a lot of consultants in different fields, especially, uh, let's say, for large clients. Um, and, you know, it used to be very hard to get meetings with banks, insurance companies, you, you know, this really hard to get uh, uh, enterprises. But right now we see a shift uh, in, um, it's much easier to get, uh, to get a meeting, a board meeting with, with uh, key decision makers um, because of the, everything is happening in digital space. People uh, accepted that uh, the whole commotion, sales commotion, lead generation commotion is, is, is in digital space. So we also see this in metrics and let's say in last couple of months, um, the conversion rates on, on getting the meeting for, this is the most important conversion rate for us um, because of our services, it's, it went up up to 20, 30%, even with enterprises. So from my perspective, uh, this uh, crisis actually speeded, speeded up the process uh, speed up the process regarding the uh, the lead generation process. Lead generation. Lead generation. I'm sp I'm strictly talking about lead generation process. Of course, everything else what Matt says is totally yeah. Uh, but what I also see, just to add on to what Matt said, um, we see that of course the pitch has to be much clearer uh, from our clients' perspective, uh, and we immediately tell them get as many board people on the first meeting as possible just to shorten up the, the whole process because if there is no physical contact you don't see all the other let's say uh, soft messages that build trust uh, so it's very important that we don't have a uh, let's say uh, a person who is a kind of a phone between uh, who carries the message try to get as much people on the on the first meeting as possible to build trust <clears throat> uh, based on your experience where 
companies here in Slovenia, businesses have the biggest challenge regarding this uh, pitch optimization or offer optimization reduction. Where are the biggest obstacles that we have? Where we do the biggest mistakes? What do you mean? Uh, your clients, when they came to you that you please help me get some meetings, new clients. And you said that uh, we have to, to work on a really good sales pitch. Where do they have the biggest problems to define this perfect speech? Or if I go back to, to Matt, Matt said that uh, we have to think very clearly and to make our products smaller and more clear. Where companies, entrepreneurs have the biggest problems doing this? I think that definitely um, the product service space that they're offering, they're not adapting to this uh, fast enough. I, like when we started this meeting, you know, we, we talked about uh, where are the biggest challenges. You know, companies should start now to understand um, how the digital space will uh, impact their products and services. How should they pitch it? This is a learning process. This is not something that you can draw on a, on a, on a blackboard, you know, and you have a solution. Uh, what we are telling to our clients right now is you have to measure it. And, uh, you know, uh, understanding the right digital channels can speed up the process. We can, we can do like 10 A-B tests on LinkedIn on, 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 on a weekly base. That means after two weeks time, you already have some feeling about what market is expecting. One thing is pitch something to the market and then getting a feedback. And I think that uh, it's very important you know, to increase the number of, of online meetings to actually understand what, what companies or are, are customers are searching for right now. I think that sales pitch is just a tool to actually um, kind of a sensor to actually get feedback. And this is something, you know, when we see with, with clients, the amount of work uh, they have to put in is not big enough. People don't do enough sales activities on a daily basis. They do not get enough, enough feedback on a daily basis. And once you multiply that by a working days and uh, let's say a working month, you know, I think that companies should start like yesterday and actually collect feed, as much feedback as possible to actually have a big picture of uh, what clients are expecting right now. This is very important. Yes, Matt, please. So I wanted to, to hit a couple things there. I think that idea of, of our salesmen busy, this has been a modern trend to separate the lead generation from the, the sales process and really think about them different in tools. And this idea that we can reach digitally larger number of people is really making this possible. You know, the, the book Predictable Revenue really kicked this off. Zamanta, for example, uh, you know, we, this was another example of a real shift, right? That they had four senior sales, big expensive guys in four different regions of the U.S. running around hitting agencies. And actually, it wasn't working. And what they ended up doing was they ended up with an SDR team, which is sales development rep and email marketing. So Igor is kind of using the next iteration of that, as I understand. And, and what we found was the CEO part-time could do every single meeting pitch because all the work in the sales process is 
is identifying the correct target, qualifying the person, looking for a buy buying signal and setting up the meeting. And then there's a bunch of work in terms of following up and getting the contract signed. The actual meat of the meeting, you know, especially if you're not going to be doing dinners out with the, with the guy and doing golfing is really, really short. You don't need many good sales guys. And by the way, sales guys love that when that's, that's their favorite part of the entire job. So I think this is a, a really good point. This is a great opportunity to go clean up your sales process and figure out how could you make a lead generation machine, either outsourcing to somebody like Igor or insourcing, I mean, building it yourself like, like somebody like Zamanta does. I think that's, that's spot on. And I think the other thing I wanted to hit with Igor was talking about was uh, getting meetings. It is actually easier right now. There's a lot of people with time. Uh, you yeah. can get some very senior people who are kind of sitting around, not sure what to do. And it's also now been enough weeks that they're looking, their, their heads are finally cleaned up a bit. So there, there's a lot of big decision makers that have time on their hands. They're in a quiet moment. It's kind of like you, I noticed this in years past, in the month of July and August, if somebody was in the office, you could often get a good quality meeting with somebody. And so sales actually could happen in the summer months just because the quality of time you got. And I think that's, that's again, if we take a look at, you know, problems versus opportunity, this is definitely a way to see opportunity. I think transitioning just browsing into an actual closed deal, that's gotten tough, right? That is really tough. But I think this is an awesome time to be talking to as many people as you can, higher up the food chain than you normally do. This is a great time. It's never been easier. But uh, don't do they have uh, more internal problems and they have less time to talk with you? Of course, it depends on the person, right? So, so you know, again, if I just talk about like Zamanta, where they're in the ad space, these big six accounting, I mean, big six uh, advertising firms, well, they're mostly sitting at home, right? The advertising spend isn't happening. There's not that much to do to react right? The, there's a number of people who are looking at the business side, but it's particularly difficult. If you're an operational person that's used to spending a million dollars a month on advertising and you're only spending 300,000, you have time. That person has time. The guy who needs to go capture business and is used to capturing a million dollars a month, he's out, out of his mind trying to figure out how he gets 20K here and 10K here. Hopefully he's out of his mind busy. So it all depends depends on who you're talking to but a lot of big decision makers are parked great time to have conversations with them and have those relaxed open conversations if you can uh, great trick from Zaman one of the Zamanta guys was telling me a guy based in Spain he would set up a glass of wine evenings and he would find out how to ship how to ship a bottle of wine to the customer using local uh, grocery uh, sellers and then they would set a time and he would, you know, they would open up their bottles of wine and sit down and have an hour long conversation. And that just got, that's how he was moving up two levels up the food chain. So really a great opportunity now. Nice example. Thank you, Matt. Uh, Igor, you mentioned that uh, it's a good idea to get more people on the, on the first call, on the first meeting. Uh, yeah. How we can do this? Uh, you know, pitching, pitching to 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 person who is the most motivated to get you into into the into the company for example uh, we got a lot of um, incoming calls from banks from let's say uh, project management uh, people inside the bank 
their task right now to actually set up um, transformation operationally, transformation of banks into digital space. How to set up sales and marketing in digital space. Banks don't know how to do this. Slovenian banks don't know how to do that. So that means that um, these kind of guys are the most motivated because they have a job to do. They see this as an opportunity to move themselves, you know, to prove themselves in, in, inside the company. So once I talk to this kind of person, I uh, always say, okay, please set up a meeting with the decision maker. You know, if there are more decision makers, please get them, uh, please get them on the same call. So I think this is very important. If we do, uh, let's say, lead generation cold, lead generation out, we always go to the highest per person in the uh, in the in the food chain. You know, we never go for the let's say uh, lower part because, uh, from at least from my perspective, for from uh, the feedback we get from the market, the biggest pressure right now is on management, on on, on top people. So we adapted. Um, let's say previously we we were more more focused on um, key decision makers in, in certain space. It not it, it was not really you know uh, they didn't have to be in, in the top uh, position in the company. But right now uh, top people feel the most pressure. They're the solution uh, solution providers. They have to find the way out. So we address them. Okay, Matt, do you have anything to add here? Or we don't. Is, uh, Sorry, I muted myself. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, something we talked about a little bit when we were just preparing here, in a crisis, the rules change, right? Mm -hmm. The money that's budgeted, that just disappears sometimes, right? The decision processes can be completely changed. In some cases, they can be crazy long and difficult because people are careful about money. But the second thing is if you actually solve an immediate problem, the entire decision process can just change dramatically, right? So uh, you know, banks who usually make decisions over time measurements in years, suddenly it can be quarters or months, right? Governments yeah. are passing rules in days. So as you're okay, looking Matt. at... Okay, yep. Sorry. This is the, the, the sweet, yeah? The sweet part. Yeah. Talk about the, the, the ugly part where we don't have a, a solution that is... Uh, extremely ah, so this is, for that moment so uh, you know i, I haven't I, I i did a survey of a whole pile of sales guys about uh what about four weeks ago and one of the things we were seeing is i could find almost nobody that was successfully selling uh that didn't have a 90 day or less return on investment i mean you've you were the one that taught me this idea there's a book of things that uh, have a return on investment and we should do, and only page one ever gets done. What's just yeah. happened here is only the two top lines get done. And 99% of that book is completely not interesting. So if you have a two year return on investment, your product is just not interesting now. What you can do is basically wait, prepare, do lead generation, have conversations, educate, start to, to, to prepare, but nothing's gonna move for you for a while. Now, on the other hand, look at your product and say, what about my product has a quick return, right? So we were just talking about how you can break down your product into a workshop, an MVP and whatever. How can you break down part of your product into something small enough that has a really quick win, get you in the door and then move on from there, right? This is, this is how you turn it into an opportunity. But right now, I don't see a lot of evidence that there's a lot of companies still thinking 20, you know, one to five year return on investment. Mm -hmm. Most of that 
decision making. There was a lot of momentum with a lot of enterprises and things, and most of that stalled out, as I see it. Okay. Uh, can we make a summary, a sort of summary? So, if we would like now to, to build this, because Meta, I think you mentioned the, the lead generation machine, what I have to have in mind, what I have to check, what I have to do, that I'm going to be sure that I'm doing the right thing so that the, the lead generation will start to produce the results. You need to productize your offering, right? So if it's not a product, it needs to become a product, right? So I just said about things like workshops and yeah. MVPs. It needs to be productized. It has to be relevant to now. Why now has to be really clear. This is always true, just couldn't be more obvious right now. So why now has to be just absolutely critical. And then you need to know who's your audience and what's that key message. And then you need to build the machine, you know, the kind of stuff that Igor does or you can build on your own. But this is, you wanna be systematic about it and you wanna sell that high value product that's easy to decide. Okay, Igor. Definitely, I would, I would totally agree with what Matt said and uh, like the machine expert, lead generation you know, machine. Uh, I would say the most important thing regarding lead generation for companies right now is understanding the channels. The channels change in so dramatically that, you know, uh, can you explain a little bit? What for example, happened? you know, to, uh, one of our clients in the past was NLB bank, you know, uh, the time to close the NLB bank, also patrol company, it was one and a half years, two years process, sales process, eventually close them. Now we are talking uh, weeks, literally weeks. And the most important thing, they did not understand the digital channels. Like, three months ago. Now they totally dig the digital channel. They understand that if they don't move into digital, they will not uh, exist anymore. But digital channels are not all the same. For example, uh, LinkedIn, uh, usually perception of LinkedIn is strictly B2B. This is not right. We have a private doctors, um, uh, we, have a, we, we do a lot of service for private doctors, and uh, LinkedIn is one of the top B2C channels. But it's uh, really important, like Matt said, what is the key message? What uh, solution are we providing? And especially understanding why we are selling B2C to, on a B2B channel. You know, this is really important. Understanding your client, understanding the, uh, the, the problems they're facing, and then measuring the, the, um, the digital channel. So, sorry, um, Igor, why then LinkedIn is uh, okay for uh, doctors? Uh, because let's say, for example, uh, we're working from, for private doctors who offer premium service for, for, let's say, people who can afford more. And the basic problem, you know, how to get uh, to these kind of people, you know, their, their emails, cold calls. And on the other side, on LinkedIn, you have 700, uh, 7, 775 million people, 300,000 Slovenians. Uh, there is top management, all the Slovenian top management, for example, uh, owners, you know, uh, management position are in the company. Why would they do, a, let's say, uh, a cold call or uh, email uh, database if I can just, you know, create a right pitch and send it over the LinkedIn chat? I mean, the uh, customer acquisition cost regarding this kind of process is like zero um, when I compare it to all the other, uh, let's say, uh, approaches. Also, on the other side, 
there are new digital channels that we, uh, our, let's say, Slovenian companies did not uh, think about it before. TikTok, let's say, TikTok is one of top uh, channels right now. Also, medical sector, uh, if you want to get um, meetings in medical sector, Instagram is also one of the top uh, top uh, channels. Regular, can, sorry, can you give an example of how to use TikTok? For example, uh, right now we do a lot of uh, work for one of our uh, automotive, large automotive companies. And, you know, we are playing with an idea to actually, because in, for, in their portfolio they have a, a new car, which is really intended for teens, you know, uh, let's say people in their early 20s. And the right channel to, to address this kind, of, uh, this kind of people is TikTok. You know, creating, uh, having some kind of, uh, let's say, um, uh, key person that, that does a lot of uh, content. This is not, uh, this is not like um, professional content, but it has to be appealing to this kind of, uh, to this kind of customers and channels where people are, are monitoring uh, and learning about new, new, new products, TikTok. And, you know, maybe there are like okay. five uh -huh. companies in Slovenia that understand TikTok, for just for example. Also, the other side are chat platforms. Companies, what we see the biggest shift in the last couple of months is, is uh, shifting from traditional um, communications, business communication channels like email and phones to chat platforms. Uh, people want to receive messages and want to res uh, respond to messages, uh, business messages, LinkedIn chat, WhatsApp, Viber, uh, Facebook Messenger, messaging platforms are becoming the norm for, for B2B communication. Okay. Uh. Can I just add just real quickly two things there? This decision making, yeah. you know, in a bank, it's not so much that banks suddenly get smart. Actually, one of the biggest problems is they're just less decision makers, right? Yeah. There's usually that the, these big organizations, they have too many decision makers and they can't figure out how they're going to decide and everybody's scared to make a mistake. Well, when things are really bad, making not the worst thing you can do, mm. a decision mistake. And number two is it's really easy to push people out of the room. And this happens in military equipment when people are actually in fighting and this happens in banks during financial crisis and this happens in governments when you have epidemics. It's a great opportunity to go after what usually is a multi-year, wildly complex thing and, and push it in now. Okay. Thank you, Matt. Uh, maybe just uh, one more thing. How can I use the, the digital channels to... How can I test the relevance of my product or my offer? by measuring it. You know, I think the key aspect of success right now is measuring it and having the mindset to measure and to accept failure when measuring. Um, let's say when we start with clients, I want to understand a couple of things. Uh, why are they selling right now? This is one of the most important messages. Why are they not selling? What kind of excuses uh, their, uh, their, let's say, customers use when they do not want to buy? This is also very important. Of course, understanding why they're, uh, what they're selling, who they're selling to. And the fourth thing is definitely what, are the, what is the target market regarding the key decision makers, uh, industries, and so on. So this is key. And once we understand that, we can, uh, we can uh, let's say, uh, 
tell the client, okay, we suggest this kind of uh, digital channels, and then we have to measure it on a daily basis. The pitches, the target clients, uh, the target segments, and we do, for example, we do like 100, 100 uh, messages per day, uh, let's say for on per LinkedIn account. That means that on a monthly basis, uh, on LinkedIn, for one person, we can test up to 2,000 people. Up to 2,000 people. And now, if you ask an average salesperson in an average, uh, let's say, Slovenian company, how many sales activities do they do on, the, on their daily basis? You know, maybe you'll have like five, maybe 10, 10 uh, activities. This is not enough. Okay. Uh, Matt? Oh, sorry, we got the, the question. Can you share who is buying today? Who's buying today? Yeah. Um, what so, industries? So interesting. So a couple things. So you see, for example, anything in manufacturing that's still running, they're all mm -hmm. looking for supply chain alternatives. So there's lots of interest in supply chain, staying very agile in supply chain. So if you're selling aluminum or machine parts, suddenly there's a lot of opportunities. Uh, people are buying what needs to be fixed urgently, right? So digital signatures at a bank, oh God. I mean, I personally can say what a mess that is. They are completely caught flat-footed. So basically anybody that's doing health-related stuff, there's still lots of spending happening there. Uh, so anything to do with health-related, anything that is delivered, Mimo Verste is doing fantastic. Almost anybody that's doing direct-to-consumer shipping, delivery, food, all of these things are all doing solid, right? But again, they're looking relatively short-term. So if you're looking, saying who's buying something that has a three-year return on investment, uh, nobody right now. You, you can start the conversations with these people and get it ready, but you're just not going to transact now. Strip it down, bring something that is hardcore value right away and go. And the other thing I wanted to just hit on, on Igor is right now, nobody's advertising. So yeah. advertising market is really taking a beating, which means cost of advertising goes way down. Mm. So suddenly things that you never could do before, you can do now, not only because the mindset of the customers changed. So your customers are looking at advertising more than ever. And it's cheaper than ever to get to them. Uh, this is an excellent opportunity to go back and recheck all those things that did, quote unquote, didn't work for you. Yeah. It's time to go recheck. Agreed. Agreed. Also, okay, to Igor, any other ideas? Who is buying? We see a lot of uh, activities in education. Uh, then uh, financial industry. I mean, I think that financial industry, especially when you when you see factoring and all these kind of uh, financial services, uh, this is going to boom in a couple of months. Uh, then of course, manufacturing is like already met said, uh, all our manufacturing clients are booming. And when we talk to them, how they're, you know, how they're doing, they say, we never, we were never so, we never had so much business uh, uh, as now. Uh, there's a lot of uh, shift in manufacturing companies uh, and so on. So definitely these are the sectors that are, that are doing really good. Okay, so to summarize, if I understood it correctly, you are saying that uh, we have to do really good homework, yeah, before we start, yeah, even bet better than we used to when we had the face-to-face -face sales. 
Yeah, you need a very, very sharp value proposition that has an immediate return. And the other thing that's an opportunity here is existing customers have pain, new pains that they never had before, right? That book, the first three pages of that book, those are out the window, but they got, you know, the, the, now the first two pages are completely different. And where do they find the suppliers for that? The answer is they look at their, they need to move so fast. They look at their existing suppliers. So your existing customers, there's huge opportunity for stretching outside of your normal range, right? This is a great opportunity to go team up with somebody else and your company act, acts as the trust bridge into a company. So if you're working with NLB and they need digital signature tomorrow, you know, and you've been doing, I don't know, something like uh, your microcope and you've been scanning their stuff. Now is a great time to go team with somebody that's going to go do that and how, figure out how you get digital signature in this month, right? This is, this is the way you should be thinking. Okay, maybe just an add on to that, uh, definitely. Um, I think that we should also think about the markets that we did not think before. For example, we have a client uh, the, that's in the railroad business, you know, a railroad business. And she, actu uh, she, uh, she was already present in the Western world and she didn't, uh, she didn't have any new market to go to, uh, uh, this company. So the way uh, the owner uh, solved the problem when she started to work with us, she said, I want to test Tajikistan, Afghanistan, Turkey, Malaysia, Indonesia, you know, something that let's say, for example, Slovenian companies are not even uh, remotely thinking about. For us still, yeah, the market is like, you know, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, UK is already far away, you know. But uh, what this opportunity is bringing us to think outside of the box and maybe find clients in the markets that don't even uh, perceive to exist. And uh, the amount of business she got from, from, let's say, from Tajikistan Railroad, Turkey Railroad, in uh, Indonesia, and of course, Australia, even though it's an uh, uh, English-speaking country, is tightly bound to the Pacific market, you know, to these uh, Muslim countries. You know, this is something to explore, and it's not expensive to do it. You know, this is the most important. It's really not expensive. You don't have to sit, you cannot sit on a plane and go to, I don't know, Tajikistan for one month to explore the market. You can do and it. Also, digital. advertising budgets, prices are lower, if I understood yeah. Matt correctly. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Igor, Matt, we are way longer than it was planned. So I have to ask you, do you have uh, five more minutes? Sure. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Okay, so then uh, let's take the, the last question from the audience. Uh, what's its question regarding the price? So what's going on with uh, prices? Are they going down, staying the same? Should we so, fight for the price, keep the same way, or should we reduce? So what I'm seeing is, I'm seeing a lot of companies going back to suppliers and negotiating prices down just as part of their financial beating and their financial survival. So, you know, a lot of money is flooded in from government sources to try and compensate for some of this stuff, but you're seeing a lot of people. So for example, right now, all your, your subscription services, you can go call up LinkedIn and say, Hey, can you reduce my price? There's a reasonable chance they will reduce your price. Mm -hmm. Most of these guys are receptive to this. So the idea that you're going to get squeezed by your existing customers, don't be surprised. 
at the same time, if you're coming in with a solution and that solution is quick, uh, I don't think there's a lot of ne the, the, the negotiation process has, has uh, streamlined. So if you're part of that, a fair price gets through pretty quick. So I think the, the idea of these big luxury things, they're going to be hard to sell. So I, I, I think in terms of, of price, you ought to be prepared to figure out how you're going to deliver for less money. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, I always say when we started uh, uh, to work with clients, I always say it's, it's, it's not about the price. This is not completely true, but uh, I, I try to focus the, um, the sales pitch uh, a bit differently or the sales process a bit differently. I think the, the price is a function of what kind of a problem you're solving with, with, uh, with your uh, solution. For example, if I would be Zoom right now, you know, with that kind of growth, yeah, I'll, I would, I would uh, you know, increase the price, at least for a little bit. But uh, on the other side, uh, of course, uh, where sales process is very long and uh, companies are not obliged to buy right now or can afford to actually prolong the decision-making process, of course, then if, if you want to sell, the, the price is the obvious choice to, to because we see with certain clients, uh, we see that they're ready to buy and they say, okay, um, are you ready to offer some kind, of a, some kind of a discount if we buy immediately, even though they, they know that they, they don't need it if, uh, you know, at this moment. But they're ready to leverage the price. You know, and of course, then it's on our side, let's say, or on client side, to decide, okay, will I take this offer? What does this mean if I have the money today inside the house? Can I survive much longer? Uh, because I think that survival for certain, uh, certain industries, especially hospitality industry, they, they, will not, they won't be in a, in a, in a situation where um, in the same price range uh, as they were in, uh, let's say, in the, uh, before the crisis. I think there there is going to be bloodbath in hospitality industry. You know, okay. prices. Uh, now, sorry, I have to stop. We are way too long. Uh, but just uh, the last question, and then we'll finish. Uh, do you think that uh, we will come back uh, to face to face, so that we just have to to survive next year, and then uh, everything will be as it was? I think that no, but I mean, it's no, not going no, back to no. what it was, yeah. but, but it's not going to stay as digital as it is today, right? The, the, a lot of stuff is going to go back. I think lead generation is the place where really you can make the biggest impact. And these are, these are long-term long -term benefits to what you're doing and tightening up your product so that your product is the trust bridge and reducing the step size this just amplifies when you can start to do some field sales and and field sales is just so useful and so good so i think there will be a lot of stuff in there but i think whatever you set up now is really going to pay dividends later now is a great opportunity to get your sales and product tightened up and that's that's the guys that are going to if you think you can just wait for 12 months and then you'll go back to the way it is, the guys who weren't waiting are gonna eat your lunch. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Uh, Igor? Well, my first response would be, I hope that things won't be the same, uh, definitely, because, you know, 
it took us so many years to be, really become a digital digital world, you know. And now we were forced, and you know, to force the change. I mean, this kind of pressure is the best to force the change, to force the change of of, of um, how people behave. And I think that um, the longer this kind of uh, situation persists, it's going to become our second nature. It's not going to be nice. It's going to be brutal. But I think that people with mindset, um, with with a mindset that they want to adapt and they're they're ready to take uh, some kind of risk. Uh, to invest, to learn, to fail, and to actually measure, uh, adapt everything they know, everything they perceive right now. I think these are real. Th this will be the winner. This really will be the winner. And digital space will multiply that. You know. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, if I understood you correctly, I have to go back, do the homework regarding the product, product fit, the sales pitch, the the process how I'm selling, then I have to master the lead generation and uh, I have to be ready to uh, to survive also some mistakes. And then uh, in the next 12 months, I will, at the end of 12 months, I will be in a great sales condition. Do you agree? If I do all this. You do those things, you're going to come out better than those who aren't doing those things for the next 12 months, and it even amplifies more at the back end. Okay. Uh, Igor Panyan, Matt Mayfield, thank you very much. It was really interesting for me. It, it, it was our longest Friday talk. So thank you for your time, uh, and I wish you a great weekend. Also to all of you SIT members, enjoy the weekend. See you next Friday. Bye. Bye-bye.